Hello and welcome to Good Nature, a show about good people doing good things despite chronic conditions, disability, and similar adversities. As for me, my name's Tony and I'm a professional digital media person who also battles a chronic muscle condition called LGMD2I. Today, my guest is Keisha Graves, who deals with the same disease. I reached out to Keisha after discovering her story, brand, and causes while reading the MDA's Analog Quest magazine. I'm excited to have her on to talk about our shared condition, adaptable fashion, and more. Thanks for joining, and here's Keisha. So welcome to Keisha Graves. You are my first guest um, on the Good Nature podcast for 2021. (laughs) How's it going out there for you so far? Um, out here, it's fine. You know, I'm out here in Boston, Massachusetts, still in this crazy pandemic, and I mm-hmm. haven't really been outside. But you know, I'm here taking things day by day. But I must say, I am excited to get that vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. There, There's some lights at the end of this tunnel, for sure. What's really interesting is you're also my first guest that I'm having on that has the same type of muscular dystrophy as myself, limb girdle muscular dystrophy. And it's it's super interesting because I like yourself, like I remember the first time hearing those words put together and it making absolutely no sense because you know, I I know a bit of your story and you kind of came into this similar to myself where you didn't really have symptoms of anything, right? And it kind of like started to manifest like later in life, probably around the same time as I did. So if you can kind of talk everyone through your journey from zero symptoms to starting to have symptoms to actually getting a diagnosis, go ahead and talk us through that. Cause I think it's, it's pretty similar to mine. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how life is. And so, yeah, I was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy in my early twenties. When I started to get really weird symptoms, I was actually in graduate school. So I would just kind of be like walking and my leg would kind of give out on me and I would lose my balance. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. Um, The first couple of times, you know, I would fall and I was unable to get myself back up. So it wasn't like I fell and, you know, some people can just be like bump back up like nothing. But Mm -hmm. I was able to do that. So the first couple of times I just kind of brushed it off. I'm like, oh, I just need to lose some weight, exercise. No big deal. You know, but it was one time me, my mom and sister were leaving the supermarket I'm pushing the cart and then boom, my leg like just totally gives out on me and I fall to the floor. And like my mom and sister were even unable to get me up. It was actually like a stranger, I think, that came over to help. And it was at that moment my mom was like, you know, I think maybe we should go see an orthopedic. So we go see an orthopedic out here in Tufts um, Hospital out here in Boston, Massachusetts. And I always remember that appointment, Um, you know, regular examination. Um, They're lying on the bed. They both come in. They kind of asked me to raise my right leg. The right leg would not extend out like, you know, as it should, like an able-bodied person would. Same with the left. And, you know, that was the first time I noticed that to myself. So they both kind of looked at each other like puzzled. they like, um, I think you need to see a neurologist because this looks like something more neuromuscular. So I'm like, okay, la-di-da. Still not really thinking anything. I'm just like thinking, right. just need to exercise, lose some weight. Like, you know, I'm just like, whatever, just going with the flow. And then, so we go to the neurologist and pretty much we go straight to it. Um, my neuro- neurologist at that time, Dr. Catherine Wang, I actually still see her to this day. And we go straight to it. We get MRI, EKG, EMG, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. And then the most oh, interesting yeah. is the muscle biopsy where they took a piece of muscle from out of my right leg to test it. So that was quite interesting. And then from that muscle biopsy, that's when she determined she was like, you have muscular dystrophy. And I'm like, what? What is muscular dystrophy? <laughs> it's crazy. Right. Yeah, I mean, that is like alarmingly similar to my story. It's weird, though, like, 
I don't know if this was the case with you, but you know, as a kid, I was pretty active and everything. You know, I played sports, but not well whatsoever. Right. And I was, I was just kind of felt like one of those kids that was like, you know, I never felt lazy, but maybe I was just not athletic. Like I, you know, I played hockey and I was definitely slower than other kids. Got hurt constantly. Um, yeah. But you know, some kids are just less athletic than others. I skateboarded and I was terrible at it. It was a lot of fun. I was very bad and I got hurt constantly. So there was a little bit of, as I started getting some clarity, there was a little bit of like, oh yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense from people. But oh, I guess that does make sense. I didn't look at it at that because I was never like the athletic type um, neither, but I did like play softball like in elementary school. So, you know, mm-hmm. just looking back like, oh yeah, not saying like I was this great player like you say, but you know, it's like, it was just kind of like just fun looking back like, oh yeah, look at that. Like how I was able to run from base to base and all that, you know, and even in high school, walk up five flights of stairs without right. a problem. And it's like, wow, like it's so crazy how you never know what's going on in your body. So you said you first went to an orthopedic specialist and that's yes. so you thought your initial inclination was like, oh, it's my feet. For me, yeah. I think it was, everyone thought like, oh, you must have bad knees. And of course, you know, uh, when you're, you're like 23, 25, I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but sure. <laughs> maybe it's that. But I remember, man, the first line of defense i guess against it from like the first neurologist i saw was like oh wear a knee brace we'll see if that helps and then they put put me on vitamin d and like oh this should clear it up there were so many it sounds like you were a little more fortunate to have find a doctor that gave some clarity right away for me it was about five years of like diagnosis misdiagnosis oh wow it's pretty wild and that ranges from everywhere from the cleveland clinic to even out here, like some top neurologists in Beverly Hills were just like, well, we don't really know what's going on with you. Um, but we think that last diagnosis was wrong. So it was oh, a wild wow. ride. Another thing we have in common that I think is, is super uh, kind of interesting and a little fun is that I saw that you, I guess, spoke publicly about having muscular dystrophy for the first time on Tumblr. Is that correct? Um, yes, that is correct. When I first wrote my blog, yes, because I was in denial for quite some time. Me too. A hundred percent crazy. Yeah. Like maybe it's our age, but like same platform was was my yeah. way of sharing, even with close friends. Like I had a lot of people, you know, I hadn't been fully transparent with about it. Cause I mean, how could we be? We didn't really know exactly what was going on. Um, but I've also seen you you brought this up and I kind of went through the same thing too, where for a while it was really easy to lie about and not in a way that like harmed anyone else or like like it was just a lot easier to talk about literally anything else except this and say like oh yeah I I hurt myself yes I definitely had those moments it's like everything you're saying it's like wow like it's like mirror mirror it's like you know when I told people eventually even when I started using a cane or you know they would ask oh I noticed you walk with a little you know such and such going on job interviews I would tell them like I sprained my ankle or I was in a car accident instead of saying muscular dystrophy, because those two things sounded better. I guess I don't know why, but it's like when I, if I would say muscular dystrophy, it just sounded like all too real. And I just, I still, I was not in that mindset then. So I'll say, oh, I was in a car accident. Oh, I sprained my ankle, you know? And they'll be like, oh oh my God, are you okay? You know, so that's like how it was. Right. It's funny you bring up the job interview because that for me was also either the easiest to hide it. What I would do 
is I would get to a meeting early. If it was like, you know, a coffee or like a lunch meeting somewhere around LA, I would get there and I had like a folding cane. I was able to like put in a book bag and like under the chair and I would always wait for the other person to leave and then bring it out. And then I don't know if you had this, but like there was a very liberating feeling eventually when it was just like, well, I can't really hide it anymore. So I'm just going to be, you know, very transparent. And in that case, you know, I think what the positive I took away from that is, you know, talking about especially limb girdle muscular dystrophy, we'd never heard of that previously. So I kind of started to feel like the more honest I was about it, the more people would know about the condition. And that, you know, not only is kind of helpful to us, but it's kind of helpful for the, you know, other people that are as lucky as us to have this condition, you know, the more people that know about these conditions, you hope that it helps things like possible treatments move along a little quicker. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It does. And everything you just said makes sense. Like, just kind of like, you know, because you're at this point where it's like, you can't control this thing, you know, kind of like how we in right now in this whole pandemic, it's kind of like, I can't control it. Like I tell people, I wake up every day kind of going with the flow. I don't know what the body's going to feel like. I don't have control over this muscular dystrophy. This has control over me. So everything you just said is kind of like, you know, you kind of can't hide in the beginning. Yes, because, you know, like it was kind of like seemed like we had the both similar stories where it's like, you know, you could get away with like, you know, especially when I was still driving, you know, things like that. Like, you know, even dating, I was just kind of like, you know, I didn't tell them at first, you know, but obviously now I'm in a wheelchair. It's like, they're going to have to know. Something we talk about on here uh, with other guests is the workplace and how complicated that can be. And this will kind of get into what you're doing in the fashion space. But previously, you were working like merchandising jobs and whatnot in retail, correct? Yes, that is correct. What kind of issues did you kind of run into with, you know, navigating the challenges of both that and your disability that kind of led you to do your own thing? Was that always kind of the plan? And like, did this kind of give you the catalyst where it's like, well, you know, I'm kind of sick of dealing with the the challenges of working for an employer because really we have to advocate for ourselves. We have to, like, yeah. nobody in companies is going to understand what we're going through enough to actually help us. It's up to us to, and this isn't super fair, but we have to come up with the blueprint and best case scenario, give that to our employers or potential employers. Like, here's what I need. I think it's reasonable. Help me accomplish this. So did you, was there like a series of things that just kind of added up that you're like, you know what? No one's going to serve me better than myself. I need to go out on my own. Oh, um, yeah, totally everything you just said. I mean, before diagnosis, even because I studied um, fashion design and merchandising in school at Framingham State University. So I always had a passion for fashion and I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and kind of own my own business because I kind of like doing my own thing. I never really liked like, you know, having like a set schedule, people telling me what to do. That's just always been my mindset. So, yes, of course, with all this, of course, doing my merchandising work when I was doing that, of course, I love that because, you know, I kind of had that flexible schedule going in doing merchandising at Macy's, Target, wherever the company would send me, um, you know, doing merchandising for Tommy Hilfiger, Kelvin Klein. So all that was fun. But yes, it did run into challenges because, of course, I also, one, hid my disability. I was able to get away with it in the beginning before I was walking with a cane. But, of course, it did progress. And I still, I still started then using a cane. But with the merchandising job, it was kind of good because I felt like I can get away with it because I didn't have, like, a boss hovering over me all the time when at work. It was kind of like one of those, like, freelance um, jobs, if that makes sense. 
So it's like, you know, I kind of made my own schedule. So, but of course, yes, I run into challenges where, you know, all the back stock inventory would be like, say, up on the second floor. I would have to climb upstairs. But once I saw that, I couldn't go up those stairs because I know I'm like, I'm not about to risk my life. Yes, I may tell these people I had sprayed my ankle or something, but I know what is. And I know if I was to even try to walk up one of these steps, it's going to be like, you know, they're probably going to have to call 911. So I'm mm-hmm. just like, either sometimes, you know, I got familiar with some of the sales associates. Some of them were nice enough to maybe, you know, bring down the back stock to me. But it, it always just, you know, I just kind of like took it day by day because I that wasn't always the case. You know, there's some people that, you know, they wouldn't want to get the back stock for me. They're like, you know, what's wrong with her? She got two legs and, you know, all that stuff. So eventually it's like it's become harder because I'm like, I can't, you know, do this. Especially saying when like the regional manager or somebody wanted to come visit the store. I'm like. Oh, shoot. You know what I mean? Because they're going to know what's going on. I'm here with my cane. They're going to possibly see some backstock back there that has not been used. So it, it was pretty crazy. You know what I mean? So I, I'm lucky that I just like got through it. But yes, I feel like with the last job I was working for, then I became honest, told them what was going on, how my muscular dystrophy, you know, has progressed. And if I can possibly do some hours at home and something we can accommodate. And, you know, they were not accommodating for me at all. They totally terminated me and you know it was awful they made me feel really really bad wow. like, this is why people in the disability community do not feel comfortable and don't you know are so open in the beginning about the, in these job interviews because of situations like this so I'm like yeah so between all of that and you know when you're just applying to jobs and not getting it I just kind of feel like this was all my path because I'm like you know I was never like really meant to work for anybody I was I was a hustler and you know a go-getter and just you know, want to be my own boss and build my empire. So I kind of feel like everything kind of aligned and happened for a reason. Same as to, you know, after coming out of denial, where I'm like, you know, maybe this all happened for a reason, me being diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. I may not still know the exact reason, but it's like, you know, having, being a part of this whole new life, which you can understand, like I try to tell people like, I kind of live like, feel like I live both worlds, if that makes sense, as an able-bodied person. Now it's like, I'm a part of this, disability community and it's like now I can bring all my fashion skills and knowledge you know to this whole new life and all this new adaptive fashion that's coming out and you know teaching the fashion students where I went to school about adaptive fashion because I feel like I didn't learn that in school neither so it's like they kind of opened my eyes a little bit and I'm sure you can probably relate with just as simple as you know going to a restaurant now making sure it's accessible it doesn't have stairs it doesn't have an elevator just as uh, far as like even parking in the handicap spot going into a store and it doesn't have a handicap button. It's like those things I like all took for granted. And I'm like, cause you know, I wasn't thinking about that. Then. And then it's like, now it's like, that's all I think about. It's like Google street view is your best friend. Yes. <laughs> it is. I'm like, I love that. I'm like, all right, I got to see the images. Let me zoom in. <laughs> Something that's kind of interesting to me is the intersection of, I guess, fashion and disability where I kind of went through a phase. It's really interesting. I've always like been, I've never been into fashion per se, but <laughs> you know, my, my wife is, she comes from that world. She oh, nice. did like, we got a chat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She did like onset, like costuming for like TV and film and worked with like a lot of like boutiques out here in LA. And, nice. you know, yeah. She's in the perfect place. Yeah. And so she, she keeps me in check. Like she would not tolerate, <laughs> you know, me mailing it in with with what I wear. And I, I've always liked clothes a little bit, but I did go through a phase and I, I wonder if you have an opinion on this or if you kind of struggled with the same thing where 
when my disability got more visible, when I couldn't hide it anymore, and I was using a cane all the time, I wanted to be in the background in a way more than I had ever wanted to in my life. And that was pretty unlike me where I wanted to be much less noticeable. I think that carried over a little bit to how I dressed in the sense where it's like, I almost kind of came up with a uniform where it's like, I don't really want to think about what I'm going to wear um, because I know first and foremost, now I'm being seen as this young dude with a cane. And that's the first thing people are going to think of. So I started, I remember I pretty much was just going running with like khakis, uh, like cross trainer style tennis shoes, a button up shirt and like kind of like a bomber jacket over it. And I, I kind of just like went with that every day. And then I started to realize that I was like, well, I, maybe I'm drawing attention to myself in a different way to where like I'm using a cane and I'm actually dressing like a grandpa almost. <laughs> like, like I was like, oh, I, I probably look like a like Larry David, like little old like Beverly Hills grandpa or something. And no. <laughs> it was a phase I got through and I was like, you know what? I actually do like clothes and like I like diversity and stuff like that. So I, I don't want to, you know, I don't basically I think fashion's such an interesting thing because it's like everybody wants to be unique, but no yeah. one wants to be abnormal. And I think we associate once we have a disability that's more visible, you feel more abnormal. So talk to me a little bit about like, one, did you ever go through anything like that or have those thoughts? And two, is fashion kind of like the ultimate almost like pushback? Like, well, you're going to be looking at me anyway, so I might as well look awesome. Um. Well, yeah. So it's like, you know, it definitely took some time. Of course, you know, here I am being diagnosed with, you know, this muscular dystrophy and all that. But like, as I mentioned, I always been into fashion. But yes, it's like, I did have to kind of shift that because it's like, as you know, once it starts to progress, I can't wear, say, those little heels. And I wasn't even the person that can walk in these big high heels, but like maybe a little even booty heels like that became like very difficult because, you know, here I was still walking with a cane, still driving. So just even walking with certain shoes and as you know, like even clothes, it just started to become just like a hassle. And it's like just putting on this and putting on the pants. And it's like, my God, like I try to explain to people. When I come up from the shower, I feel as though I just finished running the Boston Marathon. So it's like, yes, I still want to be fashionable, but it's it's exhausting. And then that's when I, I kind of like kind of um, learned the whole new world about adaptive fashion, you know, because as I mentioned in school, we we didn't learn that. And it's like, why would I even think of that? Because it's like I didn't have a disability then. nobody I knew really did. Nobody in my family had it. So it's like I kind of feel like that was so important now. So I'm actually working with the university I graduated from. Framingham State University, and we are doing a GCR adaptive project where I am working with the fashion students and teaching them about adaptive fashion. And I think it's awesome because I'm like, they say by like by 2024, like the adaptive fashion is going to be like a $37 million industry. So I'm like, that's why I'm like, oh, it's time to get started now. So I'm glad like designers Tommy Hilfiger, Target are now kind of, you know, creating that. And I know for like people like ourselves, me and you was not say necessarily born with it. You know, it could have been in our body. We don't know. But it's like, you know, a lot of people I hear that, you know, been dealing with, you know, their disabilities from the time they were small says like, you know, this is look how long it took for them to even acknowledge adaptive fashion. They was like, it's still a long, long way to go. And, you know, I can I, I can understand that. It's like for now, I'm like all excited. I'm like, oh, da, 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 da. but, you know, for some people, they're like this. You know, we've been asking for this for so long. So it's like we've come such a long way. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, it's pretty crazy. But yes, my fashion 
has changed. I mostly, as you know, from Girls Chronically Rock, I love to wear t-shirts. During this pandemic, I'm not even going to lie, I don't even bother to put on pants. I feel like it's so annoying just to put on pants because I am the type, like, yes, I have personal care attendance in the morning and at night, but in the day, I'm pretty much here by myself, which, trust me, I love it. I love being by myself. I don't really like a lot of people in my space. So, you know, when it's like, then I use the restroom alone, so I have to get out my wheelchair and then kind of transfer to the toilet to use it. So it's like to then to take off like then extra clothing like pants. Oh gosh, that's like a hassle, you know, because as you know, just me getting up, I tell people from my wheelchair, that's like me winning a million dollars. I was like, do you understand that that's like a hard process to just kind of straighten up my back and then to me to mm-hmm. make it the toilet? That's like, oh my God, I did it. You know, for some people, it's like they don't get it. So I'm just like, I don't even know the day when I go back outside, I'm like, oh, well, now I have to put on pants. It's going to be so annoying. But yes, fashion has definitely changed, but people don't get it. Just putting on just a T-shirt and that's with PCA help, you know, could be exhausting, especially me standing up and, you know, trying not to lose my balance. And the PCA wants to make sure that I'm being safe. It's a lot. And so having adapt something like adaptive accessible fashion totally, totally makes a difference. Right. I've been pretty fortunate. I think I'm starting to have those moments where like, if I'm wearing like a big sweatshirt or fleece as I'm like taking it off at night, I, I do sometimes feel myself like caught up in it. I'm like, uh Oh, this could get bad. <laughs> yes. So talk about the brand uh, girls chronically rock and like, what's, what's your goal? What have, what are you most proud of that you've accomplished so far? And, and what's your day to day with it? Cause this is essentially your job right now, correct? Right. This is my job. I solely just work girls chronically rock. Just me. I do not tell, I do not have a team of people behind me. Some people think I have like, Oh, this social media manager on this person. I'm like, I don't have none of that. I was like, what? Cause it's like, I don't have that money yet. Like girls chronically rock is not at that point for me to like, hire or have this team of people because it's like I'm assuming that they wouldn't want to get paid (laughs) but yeah so Girls Chronically Rock all just came about you know kind of inspired by me being diagnosed with muscular dystrophy because then you know I just had that moment after coming out of denial kind of like you know opening the shell a little bit after writing that blog and I'm like you know maybe all this happened for a reason maybe let me bring my fashion skills and start you know maybe bringing let me start a brand that to help inspire and create and motivate others within the disability community so like as i mentioned i love wearing t-shirts so i thought let me come up with a t-shirt line and how i came up with the name girls chronically rock is that i knew i wanted something with the word chronic in it or chronic illnesses but i didn't know exactly how i wanted to incorporate that so i honestly was just lying in bed one night that's when most of my creative ideas come to me and i thought girls chronically rock i love the way it sounded i love the way it flowed And then I just kind of ran with it from there. And then I just kind of like express my feelings and my journey through my line. Like I have, you know, Girls Chronically Rock is on a t-shirt. Trust your dopeness, which I created to, you know, kind of trust and believe in yourself. If you want to accomplish something, you know, believe in yourself and you can do it. Um, Hello, my name is Chronically Yo Badass. Everyone seems to love that one. And then I recently created um, Black Disabled Lives Matter, you know, because with everything going on, I thought that was important to kind of express my feelings. Like, yes, here I am as an African-American and I also have a disability. So I thought that was very important to put on a T-shirt that Black Disabled Lives Matter. And a lot of customers seem to really like that one. So I am happy for that. So I just like want to continue to express, you know, my feelings and my journey of what I'm going through on a day to day basis, you know, through my line. But, you know, I plan to do so much more with Girls Chronically Rock. So it's not just going to be T-shirts. I am working on an adaptive um, swimwear collection right now. I'm hopefully going to be launching um, this year, hopefully in the next few months. So I'm excited about that because a lot of people oh swimsuits that's just seasonal and I'm just like no 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 because prior to a pandemic I was going to a, um, aquatic therapy 
at Spalding out here in Boston. And I loved it because when I am in the water, I feel like I am a mermaid. I can do things in the water that I cannot do on land. So, and then you, as you know, even for an able-bodied person, when you come out from that swimming pool or from the beach and how that bathing suit just stucks to you, that's so annoying. So imagine something like ourselves, you know what I mean? Trying to take that off and trying to, you know, manage our balance and all, that's a lot. So I'm like, you know, if we can have something maybe more functional, I think that would A, inspire and motivate people to go to aquatic therapy and it would kind of make more exciting. So I know when I get out from the pool, I'm not going to have a struggle, a good 20 minute struggle to try to take this off. And that's with my PCA help. So, you know, I just have so many goals and visions for Girls Chronically Rock. I look at it as a movement. So not just a clothing brand, but I am looking to build Girls Chronically Rock Empire. That's my goal. I want to see hopefully in some fashion weeks, New York Fashion Week, LA Fashion Week. Um, I would love to collaborate with designers such as Tommy Hilfiger, um, Kimora Lee Simmons, which I've been obsessed with since her baby fat stage. But um, yeah, that's like, I would just love that. I think that would just be my goal. And I would love to see Girls Chronically Rock um, in Target. I would love that. I'm always tagging them on social media. I'm like, hello, Target. You know, especially now they have an adaptive clothing line. So I'm just hoping that hopefully Girls Chronically Rock can get inside stores. Good news is I do want this to be a podcast where we can help make dreams happen. Um, yes. <laughs> so without overpromising, um, actually, the first guest we had on the show was uh, a great guy, Wesley Hamilton, you might be familiar with. And I think he's actually a model for Tommy Hilfiger's adaptive line. Oh, yes. So, yeah, I think I follow him on Instagram. Let us work the phones here at, at Good Nature. Yes. Incorporated. Yes. <laughs> Let's make make something special happen. Yes, he's awesome. What do you do that has absolutely nothing to do with muscular dystrophy that is just super important for your your day to day, even like mental maintenance? Um, I would definitely say focusing on my business, Girls Chronically Rock, is one, you know, because I kind of feel like that keeps me sane. That keeps me my mental health going, too, especially when I get like awesome messages on, you know, Instagram or Facebook. And they're like, oh, my God, I love your brand. I love what you're doing. Um. You know, it's so inspiring because sometimes I do have those moments and days where I'm just like, you know, doubting myself, like, you know, are people getting my mission? Are they getting my vision? And so when I get those messages, I'm like, wow, like that means a lot. Another thing is I tell people all the time I am a TV fanatic. I watch a lot of TV shows and I tell people, I'm like, I, my TV shows are honestly what keeps me sane. I'm like, I watch everything from Netflix. I watch Housewives of Atlanta, you know, Love and Hip Hop. I watch This Is Us, 911, like I watch everything and I tell people, you know, in there some days I do have a bad day or I may have a fall and I have to, you know, call for help. And, you know, that can put a damper and put me in a different mood. But knowing I have some kind of foolishness or something to watch on TV, something that's like kind of entertaining to me, that honestly like just puts me in a good mood. And I just love like my DVR is full of all these different recordings. It could be from Lifetime movies, et cetera. But I honestly, I love watching my TV shows and that is what honestly keeps me me saying because it's like very entertaining for me and it makes, you know, the day goes by. I can a hundred percent relate to that. Um, <laughs> we just restarted uh sister, sister, which Ooh, uh, yes, pr- just as amazing uh, as I remembered it as a kid. But I guess in, in wrapping up here uh, you know, what else would you, what else are you up to? What would you like to shout out and where can people find you on the internet? 
Um, sure. So yes, I would like people, you know, go check out Girls Chronically Rob, www.girlschronicallyrob.com. Um, also, I am also on Instagram, Girls Chronically underscore Rob. Please feel free to reach out, send me a message. And then I'm also on Facebook, Keisha Graves. And I just have a few other projects I'm working on as well, like the GCR Adaptive Project that I've mentioned earlier, working with the fashion design students at Framingham State. I'm looking to get more universities that have a fashion program involved because I think this will be an awesome, awesome project, you know, bringing inclusiveness, you know, to the world about adaptive fashion. And I think it's important for these fashion design students to learn that. So, yeah, definitely, um, you know, feel free to check me out, subscribe to my email list and keep dated with everything and, you know, continue to watch the journey of Girls Chronically Rock Empire. Keisha, thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. So thanks again for listening. If you want to check out more Good Nature, oh, there's plenty of past episodes. If you want to hit subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're hanging out right now, I'd appreciate it. And until then, stay good.